The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us with S.C. Stone. And before we started the Final Bell, I kind of summed it all up. It was a down day in the markets today on the grain perspective. It really was. And if you look at the outside markets and the influence they had, they had kind of a positive influence. And uh, you look at the fundamentals of the grain, uh, there's always positive and there's always negative fundamentals. But I would say it's very similar to some days when we had gains. But I think this just reflects the nervousness of the trade going into the USDA report. The funds have big, long positions in Kansas City wheat and in Chicago soybeans and, and corn. And uh, they're a little bit nervous. And, of course, Kansas City and Minneapolis following the trend on the wheat side. Um, but uh, there's just a lot of nerves about what USDA might do. There's a couple of areas in particular we're watching uh, where USDA, depending on how they interpret the data, uh, could give us either a bullish slant or a bearish slant to the numbers. The human traders will understand it, but the algorithmic, the computers who trade the markets, are the first ones that respond in that first uh, nanosecond that the data is released and create the big price swings. And whether it be bullish or bearish, we'll have to see how USDA interprets these things. But uh, it could be a volatile day tomorrow. You know, and if I remember right, you said this this May report was going to be a little bit more approachable, a little bit more closely watched than, you know, the couple months leading up to it. Yeah, absolutely, because the May report is the first one of the year where USDA releases its official new crop balance sheets. In other words, it's going to be looking at the 2018 supply and demand balance sheets, both domestically and globally, for corn, soybeans, and wheat. And so now that becomes the focus. Until now, we've been trading primarily the old crop that we harvested last year, uh, their fundamentals, but now the focus is going to start becoming on new crop. And uh, so that'll be the primary focus now and kind of provides the filter through which everything is interpreted from this point forward. You know, as we look at where we're sitting at planting progress, no surprise we saw the big jump that we did considering how Mother Nature was a bit more cooperative this last week. Absolutely. So what the funds see is they see that we're basically on schedule for planting the corn and soybean crops, a little bit behind on corn. Now you break down the details and uh, we're virtually done in the southern part of the Midwest, and we've got some areas in the northwestern Midwest where we've hardly turned a wheel, and now we've had more rains coming in and bring what what progress was happening in that area to a halt. So I think we still have some reasons to be concerned, particularly about getting the spring wheat crop planted, followed by whether we're going to get the corn planted. Um, But for now, what the focus is, is tomorrow's crop report. Are we going to see um, any influence or um, when you look at these numbers and you guys all kind of digest them, considering from a wheat perspective what was found as for what many said no surprise in the wheat quality tour of last week? Well, it, you know, some t- that's an interesting question because uh, these tours, the, there was a large number of people, about 100 people on this wheat tour that took place here last week. And... Uh, I guess it was, yeah, it was last week that it finished up. And uh, one of the people on there was the Kansas USDA statistician taking his own readings, coming up with his own estimate. And sometimes 
the, the that's Kansas statistician agrees with the tour group, and sometimes he disagrees. So we really don't know what he's thinking and what he saw, and don't know which which car he was in. I personally don't anyway know which car he was in, which route he was on, or anything like that. Um, but it'll be interesting what he does say. If he was strictly following the formula of counting tillers and some of this very immature wheat, this may prove to be the highest yield estimate that we see. Um, but we'll have to, you know, going forward, of course, some of that depends on the weather going forward since the crop's so immature. Uh, we're we're going to have to stay mild into the month of June in order to have a good long grain fill period. Uh, but here again, this is one of the unknowns about this USDA report. Looking at the wheat market, though, a spring wheat growing area looks more open to do some catch-up. Um, and maybe some optimism there? Well, we're still hearing, and I agree with you, there's still time to get the spring wheat crop in. But we are getting a, a many anecdotal reports now of farmers, especially in South Dakota, but to some extent North Dakota as well, making the switch ready from spring wheat to soybeans. Now, here again, anecdotally, I, in when I re, uh, released my pre-report estimates, I kept the same acreage in there as what USDA had on their March 29 report because I think it's too early to say definitively what's going to happen. And sometimes farmers will say that because they're just getting discouraged about the delays and they start talking, but then the fields open up and they go ahead and do it. Um, but I do think that there is still a high risk of, of losing a million or more acres of spring wheat, some of that going to soybeans, some of that going toward other minor crops, and some of it just prevented planting. So it really does lead into some nervousness coming into this report for tomorrow, as you kind of alluded, not really yeah. knowing what's going to happen. There's a lot of unknowns. And how will USDA interpret the problems in Argentina right now with the weather, the persistent rains they've had, with the peso collapsing, which influences farmer selling decisions on the small crop? How will they interpret that with the slow export shipment of soybeans we have to this point? They could give us a bullish interpretation on the balance sheet or bearish and, and similar things on the corn balance sheet. What is going to be the scope of injection out of the Chinese, China's corn reserve into the system? Is it going to be large or it's going to be small? And that has a big implication for what global corn stocks are in the end, uh, whether it's bullish or bearish. So really we got to keep a, a knee-jerk reaction not from happening when producers look at this report tomorrow initially. Yeah, absolutely. The key, though, is going to be the computers who trade these right. reports in the first few seconds. Now, if we could just silent them. Stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Arlen Suderman is joining us. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, where Arlen Suderman is joining us from FC Stone. Weather it has been cooperative the last uh, week or so for producers to get this crop in the field, Ireland, as we talked in the first segment. But there's still some weather concerns, not only just here in the States, but globally, which can have an influence on both the grains and the livestock. Yeah, we mentioned earlier some of the delays in the northwestern Midwest. I'm specifically talking about Minnesota and the Dakotas. One of my employees uh, has a farm up in Minnesota, and uh, they were able to get their corn planted just barely as the rain started. Um, but they were way ahead of the rest of the pack. Most other people in their area in southern Minnesota 
uh, were not able to move as quickly as what they were and, and have a lot more to go. And now we have a period of wet weather uh, that could keep them out of the field in that area for a while. Uh, as we look at Argentina, we've talked about persistent rains that have been detrimental to the unharvested soybeans and corn. Roughly a third of the soybeans are unharvested and two-thirds of the corn. Now, those rains look to finally be drying up after Friday. Uh, we're already seeing reports of uh, soybeans sprouting in the pod. In other cases, the spots, pods just simply shattering and beans going on to the ground. A couple of years back, uh, Argentina had big losses from something similar. It doesn't look like at this point it's going to be as big as it was a couple of years ago, but it is an issue, and, and we're going to have to see what the quality issues are coming out of this now as they're able to get back to the field on the remainder of the harvest. In Brazil, where Safrina corn belt has been very dry, it does look like they're going to start to see some showers in some of these driest areas. Uh, and uh, it'll provide some relief. We're still expecting some losses in production. Uh, so our production estimate is closer to 84 million metric tons, where USDA is at 92 million metric tons. That's a difference of about 320 million bushels of exportable corn to compete with U.S. corn, depending on which way things play out. So that's significant. Uh, Australia, where they're trying to plant wheat, um, been very dry. They have had some showers over some areas, so it's a little better than what it was, but the overall problem continues. Uh, and uh, as we look at uh, south, uh, southern Russia, we're looking at some dryness issues there as well, maybe a third of the wheat belt, as well as uh, corn area, corn growing areas. So some, some problems. North China Plain has been pretty dry. Uh, most of their wheat is irrigated, but this could, the pattern is expected to kind of hold into the growing season. So we could see a smaller corn and soybean crop in China as a result of the dryness there. I'm curious, um, you know, there was the closed door meeting that dealt with E15, the RFS, the RIN numbers yesterday. As word came out um, in regards to that meeting, did the markets today react to it or is it just a blip on the screen and let's move on? Well, I didn't see much of a reaction today, and, and not much reaction yesterday for that matter either, for the most part. I'm not sure if people believe it's really going to happen or not. Uh, there's some question about the legality of making some of the proposed changes based on some uh, court rulings, uh, particularly an appeals court ruling last year on whether you can give RINs credit for exportable uh, exported ethanol. Um, so, and uh, there's other questions about uh, moving toward the E15 as well. I still think we probably will end up moving in that direction, but the market's still more of a wait-and-see type of attitude. That We're already producing ethanol near capacity levels. Jump over to the livestock side. Not a pretty picture. Cattle market turns sharply lower for the August and the October futures. Yeah, it certainly did, and the fear is, again, this big wall of cattle that are coming and uh, we had similar fears last year and the market kind of straightened itself out we got in the month of may and, and we saw the board rally as the cash fell and they kind of met in the middle if you look at last year as a guide and i mean, just one year so we don't know if we're going to play out the same way or not um but we saw basically in this week of the year this week of may we saw cash cattle trade uh, basically a, a positive $13 basis. Well, that would be somewhere around $118 or $119 for 
per hundred weight almost ten dollars below where it traded last week. So hopefully we won't fall that far this week. Um, the following week a year ago was ten dollar base plus basis, and then that was followed by a nine dollar plus basis week to give a little bit of guidance. But everyone's waiting for the cash trade to just see. How far do we come down this month? And the fear in the board traders is still that big supply of cattle and whether we're going to be successful pulling enough of them forward. Are we going to see some increased activity for the hogs? <clears throat> well, we're obviously with more slaughter plants open. They are fighting for those hogs, and they've been pulling them in. And, the, and so the supply of products been good there, and we haven't had the seasonal increase in pork product prices, but finally now we're starting to see some of that seasonal strength, and that's encouraging. But at the same time, the cash price upward momentum is kind of slowed. It sounds good. Best way to reach you, Arlen? Uh, intlfcstone.com. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Rural Radio Network.